Synthaholics. Welcome to Synthaholics. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Today we are back at Dune. We are in chapter tw- or 34 and 35. Uh, you have myself, Aaron O'Brien, and David Duncan. What's up, Dave? Hey, how's it going? <sighs> pretty good. Pretty good? Um, no, it's been pretty, pretty bad, though. Pretty bad. Dune. Well, oh, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's probably a good thing, but it just sucks. Yeah, so in case you haven't been paying attention or you find this as a time capsule after yeah. we've all died of the apocalypse, um, Dune, which was re- supposed to be released, the movie, on uh, December 2020, has been pushed back to October 1st, 2021. <laughs> and why, David? Uh, because movie theaters aren't open enough to make it the, mo- the movie any money. Which I mean, it's it's smart to postpone it. Although, like the day before they decided to postpone it, I saw like all Regal theaters are going to be shutting down in the United States yeah. and in uh, Britain. Uh, yeah, I, I just I, there was a big report on NPR. I was listening to like maybe a couple days ago how challenging these uh, movie theaters and like some of the stuff they've been working around. Like some of them have been doing like uh, outdoor viewings and parking lots and stuff like that for certain like you know older movies yeah uh, and other ways that they've been trying to combat it like you know like not assigning the same seats over and over again like they they separate people and they go in it and they cleanse the seats and stuff like that but it's still i mean come on i mean it's like you're in a giant room with a bunch of people. They're all breathing for like at least two to at three hours. At least two to three hours. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, people are saying, "Well, how come you know gyms are open and not movie theaters?" I'm like, I don't know anyone who spends two to three hours in a gym, unless they're working there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, some people do, but you know, well, they. But, I mean, are, the vast are, majority of people are not yes, going to be there for only, two or three. They hours. only spend maybe half hour to forty five minutes, probably at most. I would say, uh-huh. yeah, maybe maybe up to an hour on average, yeah. you know, somewhere between thirty minutes and an hour. Um, as we said before, you know, um, Chris Nolan's Tenet was released. It was didn't do too good. I mean, obviously, it didn't do well, mostly because COVID has impacted it. Period. I guess also um, uh, Mulan too was uh, supposed to be released, and then they went straight to Disney Plus. And then you have to pay for it. And you it. have to pay an additional fee for it, which I think yeah. is going to be Black Widow. I think I think they originally said they weren't going to do it with Black Widow, but with everything up in the air, that it looks like it's going to be Black Widow's fate. But, I mean, October 1st of 2021? Will movie theaters even exist at this point? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a very good question. Or will they go directly to streaming beforehand? Or are they pushing it out to that late next year so they can do a double feature and have both parts play back-to-back? It brings up a good point, though. It's like we are at a point in our civilization, at least here, you know, in America and in most Western countries, is that we have, you know, a great 
uh, infrastructure of internet that we can stream stuff. We have large TVs. We have usually sound systems that go with it. It's like, why do people go to movie theaters? Why do you think people go to movie theaters? I mean, I know it's part of the the charm of going out and doing something with your friends or your loved ones. I, I, I think I think there's that. That's a big draw, and that's always been the draw. You know, it's for dating and whatnot. Um, but mm-hmm. also, I mean, some people just say it's an, an immersive experience. I mean, like it is. I, I mean, if it's a big movie that I really want to see, I will try and splurge and go see an IMAX. I and mean, we saw Aquaman. Yeah, I agree. We I saw agree. we saw yeah. Aquaman and IMAX together. Yeah, and I mean, we like did see that. We did see that. And, you know, I mean, it, it was... We can't wash... The, all salt water in the oceans won't wash that from our eyes. No, but I mean, like... But it, it was it was a good experience to see on the big screen. Because it, it, it was a visual feast of a movie. Because, I mean... But it was I, a terrible story. It, yeah, it wasn't very good. I mean, like, I think if we saw that on a regular theater, I think we would have been even more disappointed. But the yeah. the, the sheer immersion of an IMAX screen is just amazing. And, and the next best thing is the RTX theater over at the Galleria that's got basically a subwoofer in your seat I, I love the subwoofer like the extra bass and the rumbles I mean, it's, blowing it's, your ass up yeah I know right just like up your ass you know it's great but um it's uh it's the immersion <laughs> the you know the movie theater plays the brown note the entire time you're there <laughs> We need no toilets. Yeah, so COVID's also a very big problem because of all the brown note being played in that theater. <laughs> That's, they can't open that one up until that uh, that worry is gone. Um, yeah, but I, no, I, mean, I, I, I but I mean, like something to it. Yeah, I mean, some movies I just won't go see in the movie theater because I don't think it's going to be worth seeing the spectacle. It's it's that watch at home movie. But like yeah. the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, the Matrix movies. Most all the Marvel movies. I mean, those are things you want to be like immersed in and drenched in, and just like, just you can't look away, or like no matter where you look in front of you, it's going to be on the you know, it's going to be in your view, which is great. And you get the right. built-in darkness, and and you know, when you see a movie on opening night, a lot of times there's the the audience. Uh, the shared reaction you have to like a, a laugh or or a surprise it's really weird yeah. it is, it's almost always usually only on like the opening night or opening weekend usually that group um uh feeling isn't as palpable when you're you know a couple weeks in to a movie theater's release i, I guess cuz oh yeah it's totally totally different it's yeah. it's totally it's it's like you're watching it by yourself even if there's yeah. a bunch of people in there cuz like there's the reaction's not the same at all, but like usually when you're there at the opening night, opening weekend, they're all super fans. So like the mm-hmm. the awe and the excitement is it, it's 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 fun to get caught up in, and I think it's a hu- very human thing to want to be part of a group and uh, have a shared experience. Which I mean is fine, but I, I agree with you. We've got great stuff at home. We got big TVs. We have got nice sound systems. I mean, hell, sound bars even sound you know pretty amazing nowadays yeah you know out out of that and i'm a big fan of red letter media and they've been saying for years movie theaters are going to probably be going away and they're like they keep saying what's the point what's the point and like i think if anything covid's probably going to be the death knell of movie theaters at least for a little while or they're going to have to reimagine the whole experience i mean i know some some movie theaters have been doing stuff like um 
serving um, alcoholic beverages in them. And uh, in, in, they've been making more luxury now, so they're not like, you know, it's more of like a fancy place to go to. So um, that's not where we live, but I've been reading about different places that are like that. So I think the um, downtown AMC does have... Uh, al- mm-hmm. Adult beverages, but but not the not the other. That's one I would go to. I don't want to go downtown to watch a movie. I try to avoid downtown uh, at all costs. No, I'm just saying it's like I, I think maybe they'll have to re re uh, imagine their business models and how they want to um, service customers. I think the need is there, the want is there to go see movies after COVID passes. You know. They'll probably be all different chains because if Regal and AMC and they all all die, I mean, once things are gone back to normal, which who knows how soon that'll be. Some people say months, some people say like you know up to ten years. So I mean, it's it's all up in the air. But I mean, one, I mean, the infrastructure is there. I mean, the buildings yeah. are there, the screens are there, the seats are there. I mean, even if they shut down, they're not they're they're probably just going to sit there dormant unless someone buys it and wants to do something different with it. But they'll probably just sit there dormant, I would guess, unless they, unless they can try to sell off all their assets. But then that would be a whole other problem. But whoever buys it, I mean, you know, maybe there'll be completely different movie theater chains once COVID's done if all these have, you know, died. Very possible. Very possible. Who, who knows? I guess we'll see. But, Dave, let's get into our book. Um, so uh, we are still back with Paul and Jessica after Paul has killed Jameis the Freeman. Murderer. Uh, and you – how do you like murdering people, Paul? Do you feel bad about it? And yeah, I've never felt better in my life. <laughs> Feeling pretty uh, confident. <laughs> I think I could just take a life. Um, so, yeah, so we start off here – and uh, they're having a funeral ceremony. Oh, and by the way, as we I think we mentioned last um, uh, Dune episode, that uh, Paul receives James's water. Mm, of, like, some fresh they, Janus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they just like reduce him to a bag of water. So we're in chapter thirty-four. Man, that and, first sip uh, was kind of salty. <laughs> So yeah, so they're having the uh, the funeral for it, and um, so and then uh, so as it's happening, Jessica hears it's happening, and she kind of like moves into the whole like scene of the the ceremony going down. And uh, Paul is not with his mom, but with Chani. So they, Chani and Paul have just been hanging out now, so constantly. They're uh, she's supposed to be helping him, but seems like they're together a little bit too much and jessica even makes a point of that a little later on she's she's like you know oh i'm good that chani she's tempting my son i gotta tell 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 paul about the ways of women and how they could be tempting like no mom i think she i think he figured mom stop trying to seduce me i swear i swear mom stop pulling up your skirt i've already seen your legs it's fine (laughs) Um, so there's a lot of, uh, parts of the ceremony and, and Paul and Jessica don't really know much about it. And actually at certain point that Chani says, Jessica can't be part of this and kind of like leads her a little bit of a way. So she's still observing, but from much of much afar. And, uh, and so, they all sit there and they uh, the tribes are chanting certain words and they're like kind of like 
you know, like the um, whatever the ceremony calls for. But then they all start talking about what um, what what James meant to them. So uh, there's there and they a couple of people go around and talk about how, like I said, think Stilgar said I fell into this hole and I was going to die and, and Jameis saved me, you know, and I owe, I owe Jameis my life and stuff like that, you know. And then Paul uh, goes on and says, uh, Jameis taught me uh, when you kill, you pay for it. And then Paul starts uh, crying for uh, the death of uh, Jameis. And what uh, the Freeman the, the see him, Paul crying in the tears and they and they actually start touching his face, and they're like it, you know. So this is and this is a um, a deep, like very deep, uh, sacred gesture for the tears that he cries for him. So this is you're giving up water. What the hell is wrong with you, boy? The, yeah, you killed him. Yeah. So, um, so so that was like a, one of the things that was like um, I, another little. Maybe that wouldn't win the tribe over completely, but this is just all these little peppered in things that like, you know, kind of juicing the, the tribe up to like Paul and Jessica, you know. Yes, Paul did kill Jameis, one of their tribe members, but Jameis kind of was acting like an asshole and uh, Paul bested him at one to one combat, you know, and yeah, the mean, Freeman and the Freeman, uh, you know, they respect that. And Paul didn't ask to kill him. I mean, like. <laughs> Come on. He wanted him to let him go. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Do you yield? Um, yeah, you asked him to yield, and, you know. I forgot my yield it, sign it, back at the bar. It's like, no, no, no. This is to the death, Paul. There's no yielding. No, oh, I swear. Um, yeah, so uh, we go through this whole thing, and then, you know, they're going through um, all of Jameis's belongings, and they're they're kind of like passing out the different things and obviously Paul gets this this big bag of water obviously uh for for Jameis but they're they're given in tokens like little little rings to mark how much water Paul actually has and Paul asks Chani to hold them for him and Chani's like looks at Stilgar is like oh, what's he what's this fresh boy doing and what Paul doesn't realize is that when you want to court a young Furman lady, you ask her to hold your water markers. Ooh. Yeah, could you hold my other markers too, please? <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> these are my sharpies. Yeah. Um, I need you to no, be I, my I need you to be my pocket protector. <laughs> I bet you do. So um yeah, so Paul made this little like faux pas, not knowing, and then but he dials in his Quizza Hatterack power, and then sees like, oh, I see, because I have all this knowledge of all past lives, and I can see what uh, what I made a mistake here. So it's kind of funny how he dialed that up real quickly. Um, yeah, so so yeah, so that that's what's going on there for um, uh, for Jameis's funeral. And um, and then they're to go into this. Uh, they they take Paul and Jessica with the rest of the Furman tribe, and they go deep into this cave, this cave, the cavern system. And uh, there's these wind traps to funnel the air to for uh, for the moisture that Jessica notices. So there's even like they've they've constructed or they carved out these caves so it traps the moisture in better. And down deep in this cave, there's an underground lake, and Paul remembers this from his dream. 
and he remembers that that he's going to have like a big speech in front of this the thing with all the fremen and he's going to call for jihad there four score like and seven years ago <laughs> let's kill everybody let's kill everyone as much as we can um a funny thing while they're down there and and Jessica's in awe and, and there's uh, unbelievable at this the water um Jessica thinks there's a superb accuracy in water measurement Jessica thought and she noted how the walls of the meters of the troughs that had no trace of moisture after the water's passage and the water flowed off the walls within binding tension and she saw the profound clue to the Fremen technology in in the simple fact they were perfectionists so this is how the Fremen actually live. They are perfectionists about everything, about their record keeping for their water, how to tie out their, you know, their still suits and their robes and how to keep their weapons. There's all these traditions on how to do everything just perfect so they can continue to live. And the fastest to way to thrive. turn your dead friend into water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leave them out in the sun. Um mm. So, um, and then Stilgar looks at Jessica and says, there are the, uh, there were those among us in need of water, Stilgar says, and yet they, they uh, yet they would come here and not touch this water. Do you believe that? And Jessica says, I believe it. He says, we have more than 38 million decaliters here. He said, walled off in a little markers hidden and preserved. And Jessica responds, a treasure trove. And Stilgar uh, then looks into her. It looks at her and says, uh, "It is greater than treasure. We have thousands of such caches, and only a few of us know all of them." So the Fremen have these water caches all throughout Arrakis. So um, pretty impressive. It seems like they've been holding out. <laughs> <laughs> You're holding out. A lot of people are really thirsty, Stilgar. But they're saving the water for something else. This is what the funny thing is, is that here we have the whole like weird thing about uh, uh, terraforming Arrakis. They're saving that water so that they have enough water to change the uh, Arrakis' uh, ecology to make it habitable one day. All right, so Chani, what- you're going to have to follow in your father's footsteps. I know. She doesn't even know her father's dead yet, but... No, man, she doesn't. She doesn't know this yet. But we um, know this. So, we know because he was talking to his dead father. Um, Who was so, a bird? Caca! Uh, <laughs> Caca! <laughs> so, they leave this water cave, and they go out, and uh, Paul has uh, James's basilet and starts playing a little song. And uh, Chani asks about uh, the waters of Kaladin. And Paul says, I'll tell you about that later, babe. But let me sing in the song. And he starts singing. What ass pussy. Uh, <laughs> whap. <laughs> That's how you seduce That's a woman. What, yeah, I'm sure she was right into all that. So, yeah, so it's. Um, so they're, do, they're singing. They're, he's doing a little song for her. And, uh, and this is where Jessica's like. Um, uh, Jessica thinks such fem- feminine allure in that girl child's voice. I must caution Paul about their women, and soon. <laughs> so, so make it have sex first, then I'll caution them about the, um, the women. But then Paul has a weird thought. 
So Paul's sitting there, and just, you know, so after that, they play the song, and he's kind of done there. Uh, she says um, that uh, Paul starts thinking in the darkness. He says, "My mother is my enemy. She does not know it, but she is. She is bringing the jihad. She bore me. She trained me. She is my enemy." Interesting. This is a an odd change of events. I know Paul kind of been suspicious of his, of his mom once in a while, but now this is like he just came straight out and said that that his mom is his enemy. What do you think of that? I, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting, but I mean, uh, I, I mean, it's probably all this shade her his mom is throwing at Chani. I mean, Chani is the woman of his dreams. Literally, he dreamed about her back on Caladan. So, yeah. uh, and it's, I mean, even in later chapters too, like Lady Jessica makes no secret that she isn't like the biggest fan of Johnny. So, um, yeah. yeah I so, I mean, like this could, you know, I think that that could play into a lot of it, but also like, you know, she says his mother bore me, you know, it's her fault. The jihad happens and she, my mother's my enemy cause I'm trying to stop the jihad, but you also could have let Janus kill you. That would have stopped the jihad, right? You just die. You yeah, die in the after. <laughs> it's just like you, know, I, you and your mom right there. The whole thing's done. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it's 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 kind of funny that he's just like he's like I gotta stop the jihad from happening, and I'm like, you being alive is what makes the jihad happen. You getting yeah. to where you get is what's gonna cause the jihad to happen. Like you're 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 trying to stop it, but the only way to stop it is to kill you before you become this messiah that everyone's gonna follow and that doesn't happen yeah Yeah, you jerk stop blaming other people yeah stop blaming your mom Um, she turned you into a boy instead of a girl because she loved your daddy so much i love my dad i love your father so uh now we're gonna jump totally this is the first time we've jumped in quite a while we are now going off arrakis and we're going to the harkonnen home world of gidi prime and we get to see Pollution Prime. Uh, we get to see uh, the 17th birthday of uh, Fade Rotha's Harkonnen. This is the little cousin of uh, the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, who is supposed to be his heir. Now tell me what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> I'll tell you what I want, what I really want. So yeah, birthday. so the Baron, <laughs> it's his birthday, and they're. Um, on his birthday, he is going to be fighting uh, in a, a gladiator arena with a with a slave. So, uh, but then, but before we get into everything with Freyd Ratha and his fight, uh, we uh, there's this big like festival of the day, and everybody has off. It's like Christmas or something like that on Giddy Prime. It's like voting, uh, but no one votes. <laughs> yeah, but no one votes, right? And Baron stays in power. So, yes. hey, is this Baron Baron Trump? Yeah. <laughs> years later yeah exactly um, yeah he just he just moved he just moved he moved to giddy prime yeah um so uh here we go and we are now uh oh we're with uh some characters we haven't met um until now we've we've heard about them with uh notes and stuff like that is the uh lady fenring and count fenring one so, Fenring, two Fenring. Ha, ha, ha. Ah, ah, ah. So Count Fenring is really bizarre because he like stutters and he draws his words out a lot. 
<laughs> Until he's just hanging with the Baron by himself. And then it just stops. So it's like, what is that about? He's a weirdo. I, I like seeing seeming inept to everyone. Except I wonder if it is an act. I wonder if it is an act, or if I wonder if it's something that Lady Fenring, because she's a Bene Gesserit, if she's something she's like doing to uh, the Count. Ooh, you think she's like messing with his brain when they're close to each other? I Ooh. mean, she's she's Bene Gesserit. There's any she can do anything. So that's true. Um, so uh, the Fenrings are visiting with the Baron, and they're up in their like little suite. They're uh, like. Um, you know their box, a private golden box that they go and watch the the gladiator, and and they know that uh, Fade Rotha is going to fight this uh, this this slave in the gladiator pit. So, anyways, um, so as they're talking, they're like you know going back and forth on uh, just what's happening with this uh, festival and and this uh, gladiator um, fight when uh, they decide to say hey. Uh, we got about an hour or so before the, you know, the, gla- the the fights begin. So, Baron and the Count. Let's let's. Uh, the Count is basically a spokesperson for the Emperor, and uh, the Baron. Let's 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 talk about what's going on, with especially what happened in Arrakis, and we can kind of work work through some of this information, and uh, maybe clear the air, send messages back and forth to the Emperor. I was thinking they'd say what the whole lot more since they're in the cone of silence. You said what? what? You said who? What? Like it gets smart. Yeah. So they couldn't ever they hear each other. This, yeah. They go to this thing, a cone of silence, which must be some way it deadens the sound so people can hear what they're saying. And also it's like tucked away so nobody can like even read their lips and see what they're like talking. They just so. like, they just like go uh, face the corner. Um, so right away, um, the Count tells the Baron that the Emperor is not happy that the Baron ordered the Sardaukar soldiers off Arrakis. And uh, the Baron's like, hey, I had to get rid of them because all the other houses in the Lanzared would be thinking that the that the Emperor could do this to them. And this is one of the reasons I, I got to keep suspicions off the books, you know. And then... Um, and then there's other things that happens that um, there's a, one of the things that uh, is brought up that the count talks about uh, that there could be uh, there's there's still fremen and uh, the Sardaukar wanted to kill all the fremen and he says there's no there's hardly any fremen it's a handful of fremen left on there he says what about the South Desert and he's like nobody lives in the South Desert and he's like ah, I think there are people in the South Desert are you and the Baron's sure? like well, how? it's like how would you know and he's like. I heard a report from a smuggler, and he says, "I think you've been lied to, my count." So, um, the emperor also wants to look into the baron's uh, counting, so he wants to go into all that. And um, you know, the the baron's sort of like, "Yeah, okay, you can look at my books." You know, he's he's doesn't sound like he's too thrilled about it, but he's like, "Whatever," you know, like you can look into my books for all that stuff. They're on but the then stove, the baron, also- they're cooking just fine, <laughs> cooking those books. Um. Uh. So, but so yeah. So he wants to look at the books, and um. But uh, the Baron also says that he wants to make Arrakis uh, similar to the the planet where the Sardaukar warriors came from. Uh, Seculus. What was the name? Uh, Secular. Uh, Seculus or something, is the name. Uh, but he wants to make it into a, a prison um, planet. Prison planet. He's like. Varapente. They want to make you it. Ever make prisoners? And he's like, 
I sure can find people to throw in prison. Don't worry about that. We're going to make you know, a like dilithium mines. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a solidus a secutus is uh, where the um, uh, Sadakar warriors are, like, you know, bred. And it's, it's supposed to be like an icy, terrible world. Like Rupendia. And uh, Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, so the Baron wants to do this on on that. So, um, but uh, the Count says you have to have the, the Emperor's permission if you're going to make it into a prison planet. Um, Mommy, uh, also may Count, I? Can I please turn Arrakis to prison planet, please? Please, please, please let me turn it to a prison planet. Uh, then the Count wants to uh, wants to know why Thufir Howard is still alive and why Harkonnen is using him. I was like, well, I. My my mentat died. I need another in mentat. And he's like, but don't you think he's going to double cross you? He's like, nah. nah. And if he does, we got poison and he'll die. So it's it'll be fine. So anyway, so. Uh, but the Count wants to, to order uh, him to, or he orders him to kill uh, Howitt, but uh, Baron won't do it until he sees an Imperial seal on that. So. So they go back and forth a little bit more, but then they basically, hey, the fight's going to start. Let's leave the Cone of Silence and go back to our uh, private uh, royal box where we're going to watch this. So uh, uh, Fade Rotha comes in to the into the big arena, and there's like it's a triangle, and there's all three sides, and Fade's got two blades, he's, and he's got a black glove and a white glove, uh, and the white glove is supposed to be just a regular blade. And then the black glove is supposed to be a uh, poison blade, but we find out Fade has put poison on both his blades. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it's his birthday. He gets he gets a special uh, allowances, right? So, and then we find out that uh, this this gladiator they're supposed to fight is supposed to, most most gladiators that Fade or most that they, that they fight is supposed to, they're supposed to be drugged, and they're supposed to be uh, the drug will kind of like put them into terror and but apparently this has been foregone and they've in that drug that they usually give them like gives them an orange color um and they just painted him look orange they yeah they just uh, you know they just uh, put some makeup on him make it seem like he's orange um but they also uh how it had uh who is their mentat uh now it says made a trigger word for the gladiator's mind and if Fade Rotha says the word scum the gladiator the gladiator will freeze and uh they'll make it easy for um the uh fade to uh to kill them so um so honorable anyway. so honorable it's just, it's a very high class place right i mean um the, the fight is sort of fixed Oh, I mean, it's fixed. Right. One, it's, well, it was fixed before with the drugging. Now, now there's no drugging, so we fixed it a different way. Right, right. Um, anyway, so uh, there, so there we go. They're going to get the the things all started, and obviously everyone's very excited. And there's a lot of like you know like ceremony of like you know bowing to the crowds and stuff like that, and the crowds getting all charged up for it. Um, and a lot of the people notice that when the gladiator shows up, he ain't drugged. He may look like he's supposed to be drugged because he's painted that color, but he's not. Um, he's not acting terrified, and he's actually like very aware of what's happening and defiant. Right. 
and uh, then they realize that he has a, um, a hawk put into his uh, shoulder, like carved into his shoulder, um, that he is an Atreides soldier that that is still alive and that they're using to uh, to fight. So, um, and, and he's looking for revenge, basically for everything that the Harkonnens have done to the House of Atreides. Um, like you do. So, yeah. So uh, then there goes this whole thing where they're fighting, and it goes back and forth between uh, Fade putting barbs into uh, the gladiator's arms, and he just keeps fighting. And uh, Fade finally gets him with uh, the white dagger, um, and it you know ends up uh, you know the poison kicks in, and and uh, so the gladiator's dying. And just when he's uh, it, he's he's he falls on the gladiator falls on his own dagger. So technically the uh, the the gladiator kills himself. Don't. So. Um, then Fade is like sitting there after the the crowd goes crazy because of this fight and um, the crowd is going nuts and they want him to cut off his head and the Baron says yes but um, he decides not to and he puts him into a, he gives orders to put him into a, a special coffin to be uh, to be you know like like a big ceremony of this this uh, gladiator that he would be like honored somehow and the crowd even goes crazier for this and uh lady fenring notices this when the baron's like oh man like uh they seem to love it and so fade knows how to work the crowd a little probably better than the baron and the baron's sitting there stewing over what was said between him and the count and also how uh this gladiator was not drugged and how people can get that close to his his uh his cousin ruin my plans why don't you right and um yeah so uh so that 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 goes that goes through but then uh uh, the Baron goes off to take care of some things, and then we're left with a little uh, banter between the Count and the Countess uh, Fenring, and they basically said, "Man, this bloodline of that uh, Fade Rotha—it's pretty good. Uh, you know, it's too bad that he's going to probably turn out to be just like the Baron and, and just be like a maniac." And uh, so Lady Fenring say, "Well, I'm Bene Gesserit, so I'm going to uh, sleep with him and get his seed, and so we'll have the bloodline for ourselves." And uh, a little bit going back and forth between all that, just that her plan is to seduce uh, Fade Rotha. <laughs> Spicy. Spicy seed. So Spicy, uh, spicy. <laughs> so, because uh, they, they're, they're, they're lamenting the loss of Paul Atreides, and so, and there's, and there's a saying Lady Fenring says at the very end, the old Benedictus are saying, do not count a human dead till you've seen his body. Even then, you can make a mistake. So, so we end up, the end the chapter there, and um, so we know that there's a plan there just to even take, and we know, we know that Jessica is, is a uh, Harkonnen, and so that makes Paul, a mixture of Artreides and Harkonnen. Yeah. So by taking uh, uh, Fade Rotha's uh, bloodline and mixing it with whatever Bene Gesserit, you know, they're um, maybe making another type of Paul trying to at least, or you know, trying to get to that. Trying level, to make the so. real Kuzaharak. 
Yeah, so, and that's how we end these uh, two chapters. Dave, what did you think about these two chapters? I don't know. It was it was kind of weird. I was kind of wondering if it was if it was a generic soldier, if maybe uh, it was Duncan Idaho. I did wonder too, but I, it doesn't seem like this is Duncan Idaho. I mean, they never identified him, but I mean, I was like, no, oh, they is never it? Because I mean, like, uh, I just was wondering because I mean, like, this would make more because I, I mean, I I know Duncan comes back, so if he's just like a corpse in like some like random hallway on a scalding hot planet. I mean, I don't see how they his body could have survived for them like to resurrect him or clone him or whatever. But he's like put in a special kind of coffin and on, um, you know, just being killed by Fade Ratha. I mean, he maybe he's better preserved so they can resurrect him. So I was like, hmm, is this Duncan? I don't know. I mean, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I, I looked it up. It didn't seem like they make any mention that this is actually Duncan. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, so. that's that's what I was thinking uh, during this. Like, ooh, could that be Duncan? That'd be kind of cool. Because if you just, you just you know you just hear Duncan fighting, and then that's pretty much the end of him. Yeah. Right. I'm not dead yet. I'm not quite dead. I've just been captured by the Sota car. They didn't really um, want to kill me. They wanted to kill the Fremen. What about you? So, um, I first of all. Um, the the ceremony of uh, James's funeral, you know, somewhat interesting and kind of showing Paul's humanity by crying and, but still connecting with the people. Interesting. Um, somehow the gladiator thing seemed to drag for me a little bit. Uh, reading through it, I mean, I didn't mind it when Fade and the gladiator actually start fighting, but like the back and forth between the Baron and the Count and the Count, like. You know, like acting weird and saying weird stuff. And oh, all the preamble, yeah, that, that kind of dragged a bit. It did drag quite a bit, and I understand what they're trying to do there, but it just got a little bit like, okay, can we speed this up a little bit? You know, so um, I didn't hate it; it just wasn't like wasn't super like <laughs> stoked while reading it. Um, yeah, he's got a weird and, way of handling exposition. Yeah, he, very much he, so. he doesn't like mix it in with stuff. He'll just like do an exposition dump chapter whenever he needs to. Right, right, exactly. So, um, yeah, but besides that, um, interesting developments. Basically, uh, even though the Baron is in control of Arrakis now, uh, the Harkonnens are that, you know, they don't approve. They still have not got the official approval that uh, Fade Ratha can be the Baron's um, heir. So that was unusual. We didn't know that. Uh, the Baron kind of said, you said I could have whoever I wanted to be my heir. And they said, well, it has to have the Emperor's approval. So uh, that was one of the reasons that the, the the Count and the Countess Fenring were there to kind of like observe Fade Ratha for the Emperor. Secondly, um, you know, just the, the fighting that Fade's like doing, you know, he's kind of, he's 17 years old, but he's very, very shielded, where Paul right now is not shielded. So it's a totally different experience for him. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting how they're pretty close in age. In the original movie, they're like, they they look like they're a lot further apart. Because, I mean, Sting was probably in his, like, 30s, 40s or whatever. And Yeah, Sting is much older at that point. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. then, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Showgirls is... <laughs> 
Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin is in his like twenties. You know, you can't say Showgirls. I I mean, he's more known for. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I just I, I just Agent was, Cooper, Dale Cooper. And, and, yeah, I I know. It just it's just the, the fact that I remember that that I, that I watched that person's review on Showgirls and saw him pop up. Like it's just just funny because I totally forgot he he's was also in that. he's also in the the first Flintstones uh, live action movie with. Uh, He's like the bad guy in that too. Yeah, yeah, he is. I just—it's just like funny that he's been in things that I forgot he was in. He's also in Agents of Shield for several. He's in Agents seasons. of Shield. Yep, yeah. and uh, he's in Portlandia, which is a funny uh, oh, comedy yeah. show. He, yeah, I've seen some. He plays the mayor of Mayor Portland. Yeah, that's and right. uh, he's also in Sex of the City. He's in that. Um, yeah, Kyle McLaughlin's in, in a lot of. He's in a lot of stuff. I, I just, I just, I just think it's funny calling him Mr. Showgirls because like, I totally forgot that he was in that completely, and I was like, oh my god, he was in Showgirls. It's like it's kind of funny. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's um, it's interesting to see those two kind of different, and um, you know, and Paul trying to adjust to this new life with the Fremen and. I don't know that weird statement at the end that my mother is my enemy is kind of a weird thing. So, what is your take on that? I I'd already kind of talked about my take on that. I thought that was weird because yeah, she did set him up for all this. She set up all the pieces in a lot of ways, um, knowingly or unknowingly. I mean, she um, she's been a Jesuit. She had the uh, the the the, the um, genetic programming to bring him about as a Quizahatarak. So she had that ability. She trained him in the ways of the Bene Gesserit, so he has that training. Uh, but he also had Mentat training on top of that and all the other things that go into being a, a Duke's son. So um, there's a lot there, you know, yeah. that she set into place. And then because she's Bene Gesserit, you know, they have the uh, Mich- Missionara protective, uh, protective that had kind of like set all these legends in Arrakis to get this whole thing going. So without that, this this wouldn't have had any legs under it. No, no, it wouldn't. And it's just so funny that Paul's stumbling into all this greatness completely on accident. Yeah, I mean, because the fact which makes makes you think that it isn't on accident that they saw this. Maybe they foresaw some of this stuff in the future and wrote it down. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, the Bene Gesserit's probably used some kind of like their magic foresight. But I mean, the fact that Paul like cried and they want to touch his face and like this is earning him brownie points by you know giving water to the dead. It's just you know, it's just he's he's just stumbling into this on accident and winning lots of brownie points with the front. Right, exactly. Right, right. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, definitely, I mean, because we're, I think next episode, this will be our last chapter in Muad'Dib, and then we'll go into the Prophet. Yes. So, so this will be our, um, and, and we are getting closer and closer to wrapping up this book, actually. It doesn't, um, when I look at my book, I'm a little past halfway now, so. Yeah. I've only got like less than five hours left of the the audio book, although I am further ahead than this. But only I, five get, hours left. Yeah, I'm getting close to the end. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean we're we're going to be getting close to now that the setup of of Paul, and now we're going to see him fighting um, the Harkonnens, and then into the Emperor and stuff like that. So it's just funny. We thought we wouldn't get through the first book before Dune come out, and now we're. 
quite possibly could get to the third book before the. <laughs> I don't know if we could get that far, but we could get pretty far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll at least probably get you know most of the way through the second book, if not starting the third book by the time the movie yeah. comes out. Yeah, with things going on, it might be a lot longer than that. Oh, yeah, or, or it could be sooner. I mean, if movie theaters go away and everything just if they just move it to streaming, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I yeah, mean, like hey, if there's no movie theaters to show it in, I mean, it would pretty much have to move to streaming. Or maybe they'll make yeah. a deal with like you know, and then split it up into a TV show. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What they're, I mean, who knows at this point? You know. Because honestly, I think TV shows the best way to do Dune. Because I mean, I just I know two movies is a lot more than just one. But still, if you I mean, like the Expanse been switched into from a you know a book to a show. Uh, it just and the boys. It just seems like it's working better on a on a longer format than just uh, just two hours. So, oh, I agree. But I also think that people like the whole like huge. Um, you know the visual feast that uh that a movie can give you. I don't know. I mean, like Star Trek Discovery. I mean, it looks like a movie. I mean, Star Trek Discovery. The production levels are quite there, and and the the previews that they were showing just recently, um, they look good. It really does look good. I so. mean, like I mean the the finale of season two. I mean, granted, it was a CGI vomit shit show, but I mean. It's solid CG. Yeah, I mean it's. I agree. It's. I mean, granted, it could have been like toned down a bit so it would look better by having, you know, they needed to learn the less is more instead of just like throwing so much crap on the screen you don't know what to look at. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they're 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 they just got needed a more sensible approach, but there's their effects are there. I mean, right, exactly. Discovery looks like a movie on TV, and and so do a lot of things. The Boys looks like a movie on TV. Um, the Expanse, I mean, it's got it's got spectacularly good effects for it originating oh, yeah. on sci-fi. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like when they blow up the mirrors at the beginning of season two. I mean, that was. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that was incredible. That was stunning. I'm like, really? That was they did that on TV, and and that's a pretty bit of pretty big looking effect i mean it, it it looked pretty grand to me so i mean more and more tvs matching movies blow for blow i mean granted they do do some things bigger in, in movies of course but i mean the gap's getting a lot smaller as far I as like, what Absolutely. can happen in a movie and a tv show so and going back to our ideas of movie theaters i mean maybe we are getting to a point where you know these these serialized shows you know, telling epic stories, you know, like Game of Thrones and things like that can be movie quality and tell a longer story and people are more interested to keep tuning in for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just, unless the book's super short, like you can't, you know, you can't just, you can't do a one for one. It just never works. That's why movies, you know, books that are based off of mo- movies that are based off of books usually don't work all that well. Yeah. Right, right. Well, guys, uh, for next week, we will be getting back to Paul and Jessica with the old Fremen tribe. Ooh, yeah. Paul gets walked around and shown around by his new servants. Yeah. (laughs) Show me your body parts. Show me your booty. Show Show me where the kids are in school and show me, I don't know. 
where you keep the fridge. Anyways, uh, guys, for any other thoughts or ideas of what we were talking about, maybe we got something wrong or maybe there's some points we missed, please let us know. You can email us at synthaholics at yahoo.com. You can also hit us up on our Facebook group, Facebook forward slash groups forward slash synthaholics. We'd love to hear from you there. Uh, We also have a Twitter account. We go uh, by Synthaholic Duo is our Twitter handle. You can hit us up there. Um, Also, a great way to support the show is go to our Patreon, Patreon for Synthaholics, and uh, throw us some money. We greatly appreciate that. Um, all right, Dave, for next week, we back into some more Dune. And uh, like I said, we're getting close to wrapping this book up in the next uh, couple weeks, I believe. So not couple, longer than couple. But probably in a month or so, we'll have this thing wrapped up. Nice. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. Until then, let your spices flow. Open up that spice rack. <laughs> Jiggle it around for me. Put spice a little rack. cumin in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little garlic sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, man. A little, little red pepper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about salt? Does anybody hear a salt? No. Oh, Lady Jessica's very salty at uh, Chani. Oh, yes, she is. Don't talk to my son. Don't show him your boobies. <laughs> I'm not going to even say what I was going to say. <laughs> Get it started. Let's go and have a spice beer. Go and have a spice beer. <laughs> Spicy rum beer. Mm, cinnamon flavored cinnamon. <laughs> cinnamon flavored pubes. Mm, Paul pubes or Cheney pubes. <laughs> Johnny my pubes are growing yeah it's impossible <laughs> and how is this possible it's impossible he is the quiz of Hatterack I am your daddy's pubis <laughs> <laughs> well, the new file started <laughs> Oh my god. It, it got that. This will probably be in the outtakes. No! Alright. <laughs> Alright, let's do it. <laughs>